This is Dispatches from the Frontline, readings from the diary of Sister Nan Ray, who served for four grueling years on the frontline of the battlefields of World War I, read by Geraldine Cook Daphne. September, Friday. Awakened after a perfectly glorious night's sleep to find myself in the most comfy bed bunk. My cabin is large and very well appointed. Fine window opening to deck, good electric fan, and plenty of water. So good to be able to wash not only myself but some clothes. Spent a quiet day, still in dock, but quite near the entrance and near to the spot where the Greta was anchored. Over 200 nurses on board. Queen Alexandra Imperial Military Nurses Service Reserve. Regulars and territorials. No one knows where we're going to. Perhaps back to England. Very alarming rumours always of the advance of the Germans. And the evacuation of the northern French towns. Even Paris. The Asturias is a very fine ship. At about 6.30pm, we steamed slowly into the unknown. Strange to have absolutely no idea where one is bound for. Sea rough. Storm brewing. Have passed about 30 ships anchored but waiting for something. To bed and to sleep early. 5th of September, Saturday. The sound of a hoarse foghorn disturbed me very early, but I did not move till 7am. We were in a smooth, oily sea, draped closely around with fog, scarcely moving. At about 11am, we left it behind. Boat drill. 2pm, steaming through glorious deep blue sparkling waters. Blue overhead, sunlight everywhere. Our voyage to the unknown is really delightful. By the sun, I judge we are steering south. More washing, plenty of clean clothes. The cabin deluxe is looking like a suburban backyard. 6th of September, Sunday, awakened to find the Asturias in the quiet waters of Saint-Nazaire Harbour, at the mouth of the Loire. After breakfast, we steam slowly up the river, apparently the first hospital ship to be seen in those parts. We were evidently a fine sight, and the inhabitants flocked to meet and see us. As we slowly passed a wall, I saw Dr Milligan, Melbourne Hospital, standing there. Great excitement. Later, he came on board, and we had a great talk and exchange notes. Saint-Nazaire looks a very pretty place. A little cleaner than La Havre. Though still, there is much room for improvement. After luncheon, we landed and were met by our officers. Dr Shields, Sir Douglas Shields. He took charge of us and led the most picturesque procession to our headquarters. As there were not conveyances available for our baggage, the surplus kit bags were given to boys, les gamins. Two closed fiaca ahead, 18 nurses following with officers and orderlies, then the kit bag carriers, and before behind an all-around the rabble. 
Men, boys, women, children, dogs, all chattering and yelling. Hot and dusty and in an almost hysterical condition, we arrived at the hospital. A private hospital which Lady Dudley has rented for our use. Very fine place. Had some tea and then with two others I was detailed to see the fixing up of our hostel, Sister's Mess. An empty house lent to us. Soon the orderlies were busy scrubbing and cleaning. Indeed, we all were. Presently, Dr Shields and Mark Gardiner arrived, and they scrubbed and washed with the rest of us, place fairly reeking with Lysol. Lady Dudley and Mrs Cyril Ward arrived and lent a hand with brooms and dusters and worked hard. Then Gabrielle and I, with two others, were put on night duty. Spent a horrid night doing nothing and trying to keep awake. 7th September, Monday. Went to bed fairly early, too tired for words. But it was a hot day. Flies walked over us continuously and our blankets were so prickly. Gabrielle and I spent the day in talking softly to one another, eating pears and chocolates and watching the Tommies marching past through the shutters. (laughs) We decided that the whole of the British Army must have passed already. They're such quaint, merry, devil-may-care fellows, clad in dusty khaki, dust thick on their boots and on their red perspiring faces, flowers stuck to their little caps, and always singing or whistling as they march. They go about mostly in squads, but sometimes there is a column, and when it is of cavalry, the clanking of horses' hooves and chains takes the place of singing. The good folk of Saint-Lazare just stand and stare at them in wonderment. As Gabrielle and I were out walking before going on duty, we met Dr Fairley, another Melbourne hospital friend. On duty at 9pm. Fairly quiet night. One very sick man entered. Kept me busy. Dr Gardner on duty. Had supper with us. So like old Melbourne hospital days to see him around the wards. September the 8th, Tuesday, spent an annoying sleepless day again. Thoroughly tired out, but the multitude of noises kept me wide awake. The air is electric. Again, the whole of the British Army passed by my window singing and whistling as it went along. It's a long way to Tipperary is still prime favourite. Whiter than the whitewash on the wall. (laughs) It's also much loved. Dressed at 5.30pm and went for a stroll along the Boulevard de l'Océan. On duty at 9pm. Many new patients and among Sister Max, the son of Lord Harding. He was operated upon at 10pm, bullet in arm. My patients are quiet. A wild, boisterous night. At 2am, three new cases arrived, two for me. One is a wounded German officer. What will Gabrielle say? He will be her patient during the day. He has a badly wounded right arm. Seems an extremely nice man. Certainly cultured, I should say. He speaks English well and is a count and is wonderfully grateful for all our ministrations. My other patient is a splendid fellow, Knows Lady Dudley well. Gunshot wounds through left wrist and into right thigh, bullets still embedded there. 
both patients too tired for anything else but tea and sleep. 9th of September, Wednesday. Very tired this morning. Moved to the new night nurse's room at the top of the hospital building. It was beautifully prepared for us by O Gabriel yesterday. The peace of heaven. Slept well. Feel fine. Whilst having afternoon tea at 4pm, we watched the Minneapolis come through the breakwater and up the river. Crowded with men of the 6th Army Corps, Fife Band, La Marseillaise and A Long, Long Way to Tipperary. (laughs) 9pm on duty again, another boisterous night. I have three new patients. One, man whose horse had fallen on him. Two, bad acute asthma. Three, injury to jewel. We hear that the Germans are retreating. But then, rumours are our daily bread. Gabrielle is hors de combat. Slipped on a piece of bacon rind this a.m. and sprained her ankle. Hard luck. Oh, having a busy night. It is just 4am and at last my patients are quiet and I feel sleepy. I find this kind of nursing rather tiring. So many rooms, two or three patients in each and all private cases, so to speak. So far, we have all officers. I honestly believe I would rather be in the tents among the rank and file. 10th of September, Thursday. A great rush to get off duty this a.m. So much to do. A very unsatisfactory day in bed. It was such a warm, bright day and the shutters did not keep out the sunlight and children played noisily on the beach in front and there was such a turmoil in the house. Nearly all our patients were evacuated, sent off in the Asturias and a new set of officers were admitted. Our hospital is a clearing hospital. Have lost my German count. The view from the front windows of this place is great. We are facing the bay and are quite close to the breakwater entrance so that, just as when on the Greta at La Havre, we see everything that passes in and out. The government is now at Bordeaux, on Die. Paris has been evacuated. As Saint-Nazaire is now the military base, There is always plenty to see by day or night. This morning at five o'clock, another crowded transport arrived from England. And at 7am, still another. They sing and cheer and whistle, these soldiers, until one wonders, do they never tire? After all, we feel like old hands now. We seem to have been in the thick of things for so long. The ones just arriving are so fresh and have unlimited enthusiasm. This is a calm, beautiful night. And from the window I see a great stretch of dark blue water, thickly dotted with vessels, their few lights looking very brilliant. To the left is the breakwater and all its light. And now and then a ship passes. It is midnight. An hour ago, the stillness was broken by a column of men passing up to the rest camp from one of the transports. 
played along by drum and fifes and ringing cheers. As I write, here comes another column. Such thrilling cheers, and I am sure they'll burst those drums. Dr. M. G. just been doing his late round, and he has thrown his goloshes out of a side window onto Colonel Horn's tent. <laughs> Poor old Colonel, he does get so rattled. He's sure to think the Germans are after him. These two doctors share a tent in the garden. Alongside them is another tent occupied by three orderlies. My orderly, on night duty, is stretched out on a mat in the hall. 11th September, Friday, a cold, wet morning and day. Not quite so noisy, so the night nurses slept better. When we came down to supper, found letters from home awaiting us. I was lucky. Four letters. Patients very good and sleepy. A quiet night. 12th of September, Saturday, very sleepy, but decided to go walking and shopping as we needed fresh air. I surprised the natives of Saint-Nazaire with my French, though one dear dame remarked, Vous parlez déjà, madame. <laughs> to bed, but not to sleep. Pure cussedness. Feel so annoyed with myself. Came on duty to find the place in a turmoil, but thanks be, they have put on an extra night nurse. In the dispensary, which has been turned into a ward, I found three Tommies. One has a badly fractured arm, but was otherwise unhurt. The second, well, his right arm is just about in 20 pieces. It has been set in the theatre. Trying to give it a chance. His left eye and cheek are badly cut and torn, but will recover. In the third bed was another boy of the Irish Guards. Dying. A bullet had ripped up part of the bowel and he had a hopeless peritonitis. He was brave and splendid. Died at 3.30am. Mr Shepherd, our padre, Canon R. Shepherd of St Martin's in the Fields, and a very fine fellow, has been with the Irish lad all the time, encouraging him and me. And now the pair of us just cried like children. But there was no time to spend in weeping. No time to dry my eyes. War is like that. Hanging around the boy's neck, on the string that held his identification disc, was a poor little brass locket with a piece of red glass set in the centre. And from behind its covers, a wisp of brown hair escaped. Poor little woman. Three new patients arrived, one a German prisoner. A bullet had smashed past his right eye, entered the cheek, gone through upper and lower jaw and was now lodged somewhere in front of his backbone. With all the hate of Germany in one's heart, one easily forgets he was from there and remembers only what a terrible time he has had and is still having. Eventually went off duty too tired for words, and not in the best of spirits. But slept and forgot. 13th of September, Sunday. After a good sleep, feel much better. Extra nurse still on, as there is much to do.
The Tommies have another pal. One with a broken leg. They're all perfect dears. No grumbling, no complaints, just wonderful gratitude. The poor chap with one eye from the Irish guards has been having a bad time tonight. He is right in the thick of it again. So many of our patients are. One hears a shout, and on hurrying to the patient, one finds wide, startled eyes, heavy breathing, and a body bathed in sweat. Their dreams are too near the reality. The shell sister sure had got me this time, said the Irish boy tonight, the one minus the eye. It's all right, old fellow. That one didn't get you, really. You were dreaming. And holding my hand tightly, he is petted and soothed and given a hot drink. And presently sobs himself quiet again. It is just all heartbreaking to see it. These big fellows, all unnerved and like little children afraid of the dark. The German was operated on today. Bullet removed. I have been speaking to him in his native tongue tonight. So far, no rise in his temperature. Thank you for listening to Dispatches from the Frontline. This project was directed by Naomi Edwards, read by Geraldine Cook-Defna. Original music and sound design by Zoltan Fecho, with producing support from Tristan Meacham and voice editing by Alex Defna. The creative team gratefully acknowledges the support of the Victorian government through the Community Support Fund and Public Record Office Victoria and Creative Victoria with Regional Arts Victoria through the Sustaining Creative Workers Initiative supported by all the Queen's men. We would like to thank the Selman family and in particular Meg Selman for allowing us to use Nan Ray's diary.